Hello and welcome to the Sifted podcast recorded at Dream Factory, the content creation house for startups. I'm Amy, Sifted's editor, and I'm joined finally, once again, in person by... Eleanor, Sifted's deputy editor. So if you don't know Sifted, we report on Europe's tech and startup sector. And in this podcast, we speak to our journalists about the spicy, juicy, thrilling, exciting, entertaining stories that they've been working on in the week. And we discuss what all of the news means for the startup world. This week, we're going to be talking through some of the big stories that have happened in the past couple of days, including a major slash in Klarna's valuation, which was once Europe's most valuable tech company and is no longer. And we're going to be hearing about how some other European tech successes have been laying off staff. And for the extra, extra spicy Nando sauce stories, we have two investigative pieces that Sift has been working on this week. We'll be hearing from our reporters Tim Smith and Zosha Wanna about how a leaked email from Glovo, the delivery company's CEO, shed some light on an EU raid on the company. And we'll be getting the latest in the saga from the events company Pollen, which we have spoken about on the podcast before. So what's been going on this week at Sifted, Amy? I'm sorry I can't muster the same kind of excitement that you have mustered for this morning (laughs) now that we're back in the studio after a really long time. You're still slightly jet-lagged though, right? Slightly jet-lagged and also really hot. Yes, it is very hot and unfortunately Sifted is currently in between offices. So most people are sitting at home in their flats and houses sweltering because there is no air conditioning. That's been a big thing. But... On Slack, where we are obviously talking to each other at the moment, we have been really enjoying the mayhem that has hit the Tory party in the UK. And we're not talking about it on the pod, but I highly recommend you go and read our piece where we rate and review the Tory candidates, the people who may become the next Prime Minister of the UK, on their business and tech credentials. It's quite a fun read. I learned a lot reading it. Go and check it out. I try and not pay attention to UK politics because my home country is already so, so crazy that I'm going to leave that stuff to you guys, Amy. I will be having my popcorn at the ready. (laughs) Um, And before we crack on with the news, I just wanted to mention that we have a listener survey now that we're on episode 20 of this new show with Amy and I. The link is in the description of the podcast. So please go and fill it out. I know there are some of you out there that are frequent listeners of this show that text me every time you've listened to it and you're not my mom. So please fill out the survey too. Amazing. So for news story number one, it is the real fall from grace of Sweden's buy now, pay later giant Klarna. It has, after weeks of reports that it was trying to raise a new round, it has raised a new funding round of a not insignificant $800 million. However, the headline is that its valuation has fallen nearly seven times. So it's now seven times lower than it was at its previous round, at which it got a $46 billion valuation. Now it's valued at a mere 6.7 billion. So Eleanor, what's going on? What's happening to the tech titan that was, or I mean, realistically still is? Yeah, I mean, I think that we're just seeing people waking up to the fact that it was very strange that Klarna would be worth $46 billion when there are huge 
really, really strong financial companies on public markets that are worth far less than that, right? That said, even if the valuation has been cut to a mere $6.7 billion, that is still a really, really impressive valuation and obviously still makes it one of Europe's most valuable tech companies. It just seems like a little bit more reasonable than $46 billion. I think the other thing that was really interesting to me about the news was that we really started to see investment in European tech startups slow down in the second quarter, kind of a little bit delayed from what was happening in the United States. And so Klarna has definitely gotten this through before things are, the funding environment is potentially even more difficult. So I would say, even though it might have been tough in terms of deal terms or the valuation, probably a good decision on the management's part to just get it done. Yeah, I also thought it was interesting that they have brought in new investors as part of this round. So they brought in the UAE's sovereign wealth fund, Mubadala, and the Canadian Pension Plan Investment Board alongside their existing investors that continued to back Klarna, which includes Sequoia. Obviously, those new investors are betting on, there are tons of buy now, pay later startups out there. They're betting that there's probably going to be some market consolidation and that there are going to be just a couple winners and Klarna, which has already secured, you know, a very, very strong market position is probably going to be one of them. And so if they can get into a deal at much more favorable terms for them right now, probably not a bad thing. And I mean, aside from obviously the market taking a downturn, how how are things going at the company? You know, is it is it still making a good amount of money? What what does its revenue look like, Eleanor? Yeah, so despite all the funding that Klarna has raised, the burn rate up for the company has actually been growing. So in May, the company quietly announced that pre-tax losses tripled to $250 million in the first three months of 2022. And that compares to an $80 million loss in the same period last year. So they're probably quite happy to have a little bit of cash in the bank. Interesting. And on to another consequence of the slowdown that we're seeing in the tech sector, uh, we've had some more high-profile companies making layoffs. So Eleanor, who's um, who's been added to our layoffs tracker this week? So we actually saw Hopin, the events company, lay off 29% of employees this week. That's a little less than 250 people. And it was a little bit surprising because it's just four months after Hopin let 12% of its workforce go. And something that I hear from VCs and pundits coming out of the woodwork who want to talk about what you should do when times get tough. And one of the biggest pieces of advice that people always give is do one huge round of cuts and then be done with it because obviously, you know, cuts are so, so damaging for morale at a company. So I just, you know, my heart goes out to people that are, you know, have lost their job and also, you know, other people that might be concerned about their future right now. Yeah, I think it's obviously super tough and no fun for the employees, but I think there's a lot of schadenfreude amongst the investors who perhaps didn't get in on Hopin when it was valued at $7.75 billion. And there's also lots of people pointing out that Johnny Bufat, the founder of Hopin, famously, in at least famously in the startup world, has sold about £100 million worth of shares, especially during the period in which Hopin was, you know, raising and raising and seeing its valuation skyrocket and I think questions are being raised over whether that's a very responsible thing to do especially seeing as now the company is you know seeing a bit of a downturn and having to make not one but two rounds of layoffs but on the other hand like 
good for this guy. That was the peak of the tech bubble. And all of these investors wanted to give him money and wanted to buy his shares on secondary so they could get a piece of the pie. And so he had that opportunity. So why not take it? My question is, and something that hasn't really been reported on and would love to hear from people if they have information on this, is whether other employees and how many other employees were allowed to take cash off the table. The other company that we should mention that has made layoffs is the health tech company Babylon, which is a UK-based startup as well, the same as Hopin, and it is apparently in talks to cut about 100 jobs across its business. Babylon listed via a SPAC on the New York Stock Exchange last year, and I have heard from some people close to the company, I can't be much more specific than that, that they think that the only way that Babylon can really get itself out of the hole it's in is if it actually delists But according to this one person I spoke to, that's not really something the founder wants to do. And for anyone who is at a company that's done layoffs and is looking for your next gig, we do have a running list of both companies that have done layoffs, announced layoffs, and then also companies that are still hiring. Um, So please go check that list out. And also, if you are a tech company that's still hiring, please email us, hello at sefta.eu. That's the email address that goes to everyone and we'll pick it up and add you to the list. Now for our next story, we're joined by two of our reporters, Zosha Wanat and Tim Smith, about a story they've been working on in the last week, since it was announced that two big players in the food delivery sector, Glovo and Delivery Hero, are being raided by the European Commission. They were raided over claims that they might have formed a cartel, and if they are found guilty, they could be fined as much as 10% of their global annual turnover. So this is a pretty big deal. And Zosha, you're joining us from Brussels, so perhaps you can explain this to us. What does the EU mean when it says the word cartel? So basically in the EU language, two or more companies can form a cartel if they make the secretive agreement that would reduce competition on a given market. And they could do that via different practices. So for example, they can fix prices of their products or services, or they can decide to share the market among each other. So for example, decide that one company will operate only on one market and the other one on the other one. And because of that, the prices for consumers would be much higher. So according to different studies, if there is a cartel on the market, the prices could go up by 10 to 15 percent. And we should be clear while we're talking about this story that both Glovo and Delivery Hero have told us that, I quote from Glovo, they are confident that Glovo meets all antitrust and compliance requirements as defined by the law and the initial investigation does not prejudge the outcome of the investigation itself. So nothing is clear yet. However, we did speak to a lawyer called Alan Davis from the law firm Pinsent Matthews, and he did say that the European Commission usually only carries out raids when they do already have some evidence and they don't tend to get involved in what he called fishing expeditions. So while we don't have any evidence that Glovo and Delivery Hero were engaging in cartel behaviour, Tim, what did we find out this week? Yeah, it's right that, you know, we have to see what the EU Commission finds when it comes to that cartel. But what we did find out was a bit about the way that Glovo's senior leadership team approaches issues like antitrust regulation and competition laws. So we got contacted by three former senior employees at Glovo who painted this picture of uh, management culture 
that essentially would dismiss internal concerns about antitrust regulation. So along with this, we saw a leaked email from the CEO, Oscar Pierre, kind of laying out how he thought about competition in different markets. So this didn't necessarily relate to cartels, but it related to another element of anti-competition law around market dominance. So just to explain that a bit. Market dominance in the EU's eyes is when a company controls 50% of the market they operate in or more. And it's not illegal to dominate a market. But if you do dominate a market, then you're under a high degree of scrutiny to make sure you're not abusing that power and suppressing competition that will end up in a worse outcome for consumers. So what we were told from former senior employees was that the CEO and other senior executives did not seem to take competition law into account and would say things like, we have to dominate this market, we need to destroy competition. So then in this leaked email that we got that Oscar Pierre sent to his team in May 2021, around the time that Glover had acquired a number of businesses in Central and Eastern Europe, he said, we're strong believers in winning in all our markets as a fundamental part of our strategy and dominating wherever is possible. So in light of not abusing market dominance, this was apparently of great concern to Glover's lawyers. So Glover's lawyers would advise Oscar Pierre and his leadership team to say, you can't use language like destroy the competition and dominate wherever possible, because it will open you up to criticisms that you're not using that market dominant position fairly. And what we were told was that he did not really like hearing that advice and he didn't really understand why competition in markets was important. And, and when we told Glover that we had this, you know, leaked email and we'd heard these things from former senior employees, what did the company say? Yeah, so Glover told Sifted that that characterisation of Oscar not understanding competition laws or understanding the importance of competition laws, they said that was incorrect. And they said that in an email to Glover's management and legal team from May 27th, there was a full acknowledgement of the understanding of these matters by Oscar Pierre. So they don't accept that Oscar didn't take these things seriously. And they also told us they take all legal and compliance matters very seriously. They run training sessions on compliance with the management team and employees. And they said that the board approves the company's compliance policy on an annual basis to make sure it's in line with regulations. So that was what they said. And then Glover and Delivery Hero have had something of a relationship for a while, haven't they? They've been buying and selling markets to one another for several years. Sosha, do you want to give us a bit of a, a bit of a history lesson on what's been going on there? As we know, Delivery Hero has now acquired the majority stake at Glover. So legally, they are considered to be one company. But we should look at all the acquisitions and the market situation that happened before this big acquisition. Those companies, they were buying each other's operations in different countries for a couple of years now. In 2020, Delivery Hero bought Glovo's operation in eight Latin American countries. And then a year later, in 2021, Glovo bought operations of Delivery Hero in Central Eastern Europe. And then before all these acquisitions happened, those two companies were actually competing in nine markets, both in Central Eastern Europe and in Latin America. And after all these acquisitions, they don't compete in any of the markets in the world. While we don't know what the European Commission is investigating, it did say in its press release that it is looking into 
sharing national markets for online ordering and delivery of food. And some of the people who are familiar with all those acquisition processes, they mentioned to us that this partitioning of different markets in Latin America and in Central Eastern Europe could be the thing that Commission is looking into. So and in response to this, Glovo told Sifted that back in 2020, Glovo and the management team decided to sell all of its LATAM operations to focus on other regions. I quote, they said there were three different potential acquirers and in the end, the best offer came from Delivery Hero. Delivery Hero tells Sifted that it does not comment on speculation. And so Zosha, when might we know what the what the commission finds? It will still take a lot of time. I mean, for now, the commission hasn't even officially started the probe. It can take as long as years. So we won't know the answer to this question for a long time. So, I mean, I would say watch the space for a long time, but watch the space. And finally today, we're talking about an investigation from reporters Freya Prati and Aina Kelly into the elite events company Pollen that we've written about before. Amy, we recently reported on how customers were struggling to get refunds from the company. What is the latest? Yeah, so for anyone who hasn't been following this as closely as we have, Pollen is a UK-based event startup that runs things like really snazzy looking beach holidays, city breaks and primarily festivals that people pay, you know, a chunk of money to go to. We reported in June that the company was being deluged by customers who were asking for their refunds from events that had been cancelled, sometimes as a result of COVID, sometimes not really connected to COVID, and that these customers had waited longer than they were meant to to get their refunds. So we wrote about that before. Now the latest is that Pollen uh, missed payroll in June. So both its UK and US employees weren't paid on time. The UK employees have since been paid and Pollen tells us that the US um, employees have been paid now. However, we are still getting WhatsApp messages from people saying that US payroll has not gone through. And so what did Pollen say about this? So we also were sent some screenshots of messages that the founder, Callum Nagus Fancy, had been sending to the team to explain what was going on. And in that message, he said that the delay in payroll came as a result of the company, I quote, closing a transaction with a large, well-known entertainment company. I spoke to one shareholder in the company that told me that Pollen is talking to several potential acquirers. And when we put that to the company, they said that they can't discuss ongoing commercial transactions externally. However, watch this space. But that wasn't the end of the story, right? Yeah. So after we published this article and after we were kind of started emailing Pollen to let them know that we had seen these uh, messages, both from the CEO and also from the head of people explaining what was going on with the missed payroll, Pollen actually shut down their Slack. The Slack is still today on Wednesday, the 13th of July, about a week later. The Slack has still not been turned on because Pollen realised that team members were sending screenshots to journalists because they wanted to get paid, which we think is fair enough. But these aren't the first payment issues that Pollen has had. Who else has been affected? Yeah, so as we reported in our first article on pollen, suppliers have also been affected. And one supplier told us that they are considering legal action against pollen if they don't get paid soon. 
On top of the current employees missing payroll, there have also been delays in paying the employees who were laid off in a round of redundancies that Pollen made in May. Pollen did not comment to Sifted on the outstanding pay for laid off workers. Well, I guess it's definitely one to watch and see what happened. And as I said before, this is our duo of Aina Kelly and Freya Prati covering this story. So if you are working with Pollen or you're working at Pollen and you have more information to share with us, they are Freya at Sifted.eu and Aina at Sifted.eu. So please reach out. This episode of the Sifted podcast was recorded in Dream Factory, a content creation house for startups based in Shoreditch. They very kindly offered Sifted readers a discount code, which gives you £300 off the £3,000 yearly membership. All you need to do is quote Sifted300 when you book a tour or apply for membership. And if you want to hear more about what's unfolding in the world of European tech and startups, you can find our coverage on sifted.eu or follow any of our newsletters, which are also on the website, and also follow us on Twitter. And a reminder, you may have heard this before, but it's very exciting, so we're going to say it again. We are holding a full-day event, our Sifted Summit, on the 5th and 6th of October in London. You can find out more details about the speakers on summit.sifted.eu. It's going to be a really great day with and lots of amazing people. And some of the speakers are actually some celebs yep. turned VCs and entrepreneurs. We have some real-life celebs coming. So come along to the event to meet the journalistic celebs that are the Sifted editorial team, Eleanor's putting a funny face, and some real actual celebrities too. And please also let us know what you think of the Sifted podcast. Again, as I said, we have a listener survey and link is in the description to the podcast. So please fill that out. And you can always say hello to us at hello at sifted.eu. Please join us next week. Bye-bye. Matane. Bye.